Kamusta Katanoomers? Welcome to Tanum Tuesdays, a podcast where we talk to folks around the Philippines about their gardens, farms, food forests, and anything and everything about Tanum, which means plants. Here are your Katanoomers in this podcast. I'm Joe. I'm Jinkin. I'm Marcel. And I'm Albert. And now, on with the show. Hello, Katanoomers. Welcome back to another episode of Tanum Tuesdays. Actually, this is the very first episode where we interview someone who's a lot more knowledgeable uh, about plants and farming and gardening than us. So it's a good decision for you to come back and listen to another episode. Now, this week, I had the privilege and pleasure of interviewing Jet Orbida. Jet is a farmer in Negros Occidental, although he really hails from Metro Manila. He was actually a broadcast journalist in uh, one of the major networks of the country before he decided to retire in 2003 at the age of 39, early retirement. So he and his wife, Chex Osmeña Orbida, moved to his wife's hometown, Binalbagan, which is about an hour and a half away from Bacolod here in Negros Occidental. There, they co-founded Peace Pond, which is a seaside advocacy and farming community. They have a lot of projects at Peace Pond, like solid waste management and, of course, organic farming. Uh, Jet talks a lot about organic farming in this interview. So for those of us who are trying to grow our own food at home, or whether it's in a, in a big piece of land or a small backyard or even in pots, there are a lot of tips, tanum tips, that we, we can get from Jet in this interview. With his background in journalism, Jet's journey and approach to farming is really quite interesting and unique. We started the interview with a short introduction from Jet about Peace Pond and how he got into farming. Okay, Peace Pond is a small farm in Binalbagan Negros Occidental. It's around between four to five hectares of land and water. Uh, ang majority ng plants dito are coconuts. That's why ang produce namin, ang niche namin is coconut-based na byproducts like virgin coconut oil, coco sugar, vinegar, uh, natural vinegar, and uh, we have cider vinegar now. And during the lockdown, we also came up with coconut flour, which we'll be offering in the next few months, siguro, kay gina, ano pa namin, gina perfect pa namin yung mga formula. We, we also have uh, soil amendments like cocoa peat, cocoa fiber, na unlike sa ibang malalaking coconut uh, plantations, they have machines to do that. Diri, uh, ano lang, uh, we use mano-mano. Ako mismo ang gumagawa ng mga bricks. Tapos yung ibang farmers uh, are doing the task on on coming up with something useful from the coconut waste. Because ang advocacies ng Peace Pond Farm, uh, marami. Uh, number one is uh, solid waste management. Number two is organic farming. Uh, number three is um, education ng kids. That's why you have around between seven to nine scholars here. Mga anak ng farmers also. 
we're also campaigning for a zero carbon footprint farming system. Ang farm implements namin, wala siyang gamit na fossil fuel. Walang electricity, walang gasoline. So, if, if, kung magtutur dito yung mga tao, makikita nila yung system. Even our watering system, <clears throat> wala siyang water pump na electric or gasoline fed. Uh, we also have um, so uh, solid waste management. We married both ideas, both concept na ang waste dapat mapuslan mo. So, pag nagkatukot din sa Pisman, you will see na anong ginaubra sa mga plastics, particularly ang plastic bottles. And anong ginaubra sa mga kitchen waste, sa mga agricultural waste. So, as a whole, ano siya? It's a circular economy. Uh, kung if you're familiar with that, ang circular, circular economy is there's isang bagay na pag ginamit mo ng ginamit until maubos na yung life niya, yun yun. Anything that comes into the farm from botelya to tulan or eggshells, mapuslan na namun up to the last breath ng life niya. So walang lumalabas dito na basura from our, from our farm. Talagang uh, also our farm is it was designed for small and marginalized farmers. Why we did we come up with that kind of design? Because we've been around, my wife and I have been to about maybe 160 uh, farming communities all over the country. Sa mga bundok, sa mga coastline, puro small and marginalized farmers ang makikita mo. So nakita namin doon, we've been doing that since 2012. Nakita namin doon na, okay, meron nga binigay yung government na nagamit like a shredder or anything else pero di gasolina naman siya or di kuryente eh di ba ang presyo ng lahat ng yan na fossil fuel based or dependent paakit ng paakit yung gamit mo niyan eh di ba nung uh, nung nag lockdown nag 30 pesos siya per liter pero ngayon it's back to almost 55 to 60 pesos per liter so hindi bumababa ang presyo ng fossil fuel so bakit si farmer, bakit doon mo pa rin siya dinadala? Why not bring them to re renewable energy? Like kung gusto mo ng water system, you have the ramp pump, you have the solar. So yun yung design namin. Lahat zero carbon footprint. Lahat ang intention, hindi gumastos si magsasaka. Even our organic farm, ang mga fertilizers and pesticides namin, kinukuha namin mula sa agricultural waste. So, hindi na siya bibili ng urea na 1,000 plus ang presyo or yung complete na 1,8 na fertilizer, yung mga ganon. So, this farm was designed for small and marginalized farmers for it to be replicated. Kumbaga, pwede nilang i-copy-paste. Hindi kami yung, yung malaking farm na pag pumasok doon si small farmers, sasabihin niya, hindi kumangkuhaon ang Puerta pambagustan. Sa Pispan, pag pumunta siya rito, sasabihin niya, pwede ko manobrown sa balay ko. Ang farm implement na, kaya ginkuha mo lang na sa junk shop. That's the, that's the, the main goal ng Pispan na pag pumasok si farmer, hindi siya ma-intimidate na, Sir, pwede niyong kopyin yan, gawin niyo dun sa farm niyo. 
Eh di ba ang, ang mga farms diri lalo na particularly sa Negros or sa Visayas agrarian reform beneficiaries between one between 800,000 square to pila between 8,000 bayon square to 1 hectare to 1.2 hectares. Yan man lang ang ginahatag sa agrarian reform beneficiaries. They are small farmers like us. So dapat huwag kang masyadong magastos when it comes to farm implements. Kasi nadagdag pa yun sa overhead mo eh. Eh puro utang na nga sila, di ba? Also, we're promoting organic farming for them to make their own seeds. Uh, use open pollinated varieties, then come up with your own seeds. You produce your own seeds. Yeah. That's it. So we can hear how JET is really hands-on when it comes to Peace Pond and the things they do there. How passionate he is to really make an actual difference in the lives of our farmers. He, and I'm sure along with his wife, checks, they've put in so much thought into what the specific circumstances are of our local farmers. And actually, more than just putting in thought into that, they actually traveled to different parts of the country to talk to the farmers and know their specific circumstances. And then, they designed Peace Pond to be something that our farmers can learn from. And whatever our farmers learn from Peace Pond, they can actually do it on their own in a sustainable manner. So how did Jet actually get into farming? Kasi nung, nung bata kami, I grew up in Makati in Guadalupe. So public school. Maganda pa yung public schools that time. Ano lang kami nung 20 plus lang yata kami sa class. That was between 70 to 76. Uh, may agriculture kami. So ako lang yata ang nagtuloy-tuloy na nahilay. But but then, pag city slicker ka, pag city bread ka, wala naman kayong lupa. Wala talaga. Tanim-tanim lang. So I forgot to talk all about it. Pero I was enjoying it already, yung nung bata ko. And then, when I was about to retire, ah, 2000, 1988, pabalik-balik na ako from 1988. Pabalik-balik na ako sa Negros. And then I saw the fish, the fish pond. Fish pond kasi ito eh. Oh, yun. Maligaw lang tayo konti. It's called fish pond because when my wife asked me, anong ipapangalan natin doon sa farm? Sabi ko, ano man tawag ng mga tao doon sa inyo? Sabi niya, Pispan. Di nga makanto, sa Pispan. Sabi ko, huwag mo nang kontrahen. Baguhin mo na lang yung spelling. You know, we call it Pispan. So even if tanungin mo yung tao sa guha, di nga Pispan. So kabala na lang sila. That's a little background. Okay, back to my story. So yun, ganun siya. Uh, before I came here na uh, every summer and Christmas, gabakasyon kami din. Then I saw the fish pond. I, see, I saw the potential. So, sabi ko dapat mag-aral na kung ano, kung sakali, kung ma-retirement ko din. Nag-start na ako. Nag-aral ako ng tilapia, racing, nag-aral ako ng hydroponics. Yun, amatamat, amatamat. So, pag-puli ko din, biglang nag-ariendo din. So, hindi ko pa rin nahawakan yung fish pond. So sabi nila, gusto mo eh. Rent ka na lang nung ano na mo ng kampo. Ang tubuhan nila sa Isabela. Sabi ko, sige, I rented about almost 15 hectares yata. I, I love, I love yung, yung morning na time na makanto ka sa Isabela and then you smell this, ng soil. 
So, dun palang alam ko na, ah, ito talaga yung gusto kong gawin. But then, hindi ko nagustuhan yung labor component ng ng sakada. Alam mo na yun, yung sobrero, yung init ng araw, maraming maraming story na hindi ko na i-discuss sa public yung labor na part. Sabi mm-hmm. ko, hindi ko yata ito gusto. So, I only had two crop years yata doon din. Mm-hmm. I stopped. I, tamang-tama naman, tinawag ulit ako ng GMA to to do consultation and TV5 to do some shows with them. So, from here sa Fish Pond, sa Fish Pond, gawbra ko for two networks. Ganon. Sabay nirarakit ko yung dalawa. Ganon. But, but I was I was in love na way, way before pa sa pagtatanong. Hindi agad farming kay ko. Siya mo, tanong lang, tanong lang. I had basil dun sa house namin sa Pasig. I had a few plants dun sa likod. Yun. Yun talaga eh. Pag, pag gusto mo eh, pag passionate ka about something, even if it gets bigger, hapos lang na for you, no, walang stress ba? No stress talaga when you're doing something you you love. Actually, there's still stress, but because you believe in what you're doing and you enjoy it, the stress is okay. It's bearable and it's all worth it. So actually, before I interviewed Jet, I asked my fellow Katanumers uh, if they, after telling them about Jet and his work, if they had any questions for him. Russell was curious about organic farming and if it's hard to convince our local farmers to switch to it. Maski diri sa area namun, mahirap sila i-convince. Kasi old school of thought, kag, hindi naman, hindi ko naman masasabing katamaran, pahapos lang, na mas hapos magbakal ng urea kaysa mag-ubra ng sarili mo na fertilizer. But the idea there is, pag nag-workshop ako, ang ang Pilipino maski na siguro it's 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 human psyche siguro na pag inatake mo siya sa sigmura sa economics pag sinabi mo na pag gumawa ka ng sarili mong fertilizer ito lang magagastos mo pag bumili ka ng urea ito yung gastos mo so between 1000 sa centavos lang kasi when we do our workshops ang video based lahat ng ano namin ang modules eh. So, hapos i-visualize. Tapos sa dulo nun, sasabihin sa'yo, when you do this kind of fertilizer or pesticide, ito lang ang gasto mo. Sentabos lang. So, atakihin mo na sa sigmura yung mga tao. Then they will realize, oo no, makatipitkid ko no, hindi na ako mangutang no. So, but still, yun nga, yung pahapos na style, mas hapos sa ila magbakal. Kaya, back to your question, kumbudlay, yes. Kasi hindi pa nila nasubukan eh. Old school yun eh. Kailangan mo lang i-explain pa ulit-ulit. Maski sa co-farmers ko dito. In fact, there, we had an experience here. Yung, if, if you have an idea about the carbonized rice hull, okay, that's black, di ba? So that's waste. So between that and the black plastic. Alam mo yung black plastic na mulching, right? Yeah. So, i-visualize mo yung dalawang yun. Pareho lang sila ng function. You cover the soil for mulching, right? Ang black plastic is like that also. Mulching din siya. Why will you spend so much for a black plastic mulch when you can have your own carbonized rice hull na mulching mo rin siya? 
Right. At the same time, soil amendment din siya. So if you explain it to them na amunisyaw mo ng resulta, blah, 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 hindi sila magpati, di ba? So what I did was, sige, ubra ka mo sa inyo ng wala mulching, maubra ko sa hakon. Kasi when you do mulching, wala, hindi ka na maghilamon, right? Hindi na sila kagawa mo. So pinakita ko sa kanila, o sige ba, after a few weeks lang, natawa ang inyo, damo hilamon sa hakon, o ay, eh, sinong may gastos ngayon sa time and effort? Kamu ye, ako hindi, sitting pretty lang ko din. <laughs> Then they realize, oh, no, too, no? Mm-hmm. Yung ganon, yung show and do. You have to show them na it's, it's, it can be done. And mm-hmm. it's, it's productive. It's beneficial. Otherwise, hindi git sila maman. We have to show it to them. Plus, ano kasi, uh, masyadong strong yung word na, na poison. But, para sa akin yun yun, yun na poison yung mind nila na uh, chemical fertilizer is good hindi alam na poison na yung mind mo, na poison pa yung soil mo. Hmm. Kasi yun nga eh, puro mass production yung gusto before eh. Green Revolution, masagana na yung tinay, hmm. mas dasig manubo. Pero hindi mo alam, slowly you're killing your soil. You're killing your farm. And yun ang mga reklamo sa amin. When, when we go around, when we went around the country, from Luzon, Visayas, Mindanao, ang farmers lagi, yun ang sinatang, pag tinanong mo, o nga, kagkamayos ang produkto mo. Kaya si Dick na sir, blah, 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 blah. Even when you go to the, ang sikat ngayon, yung mga cordillera, di ba, when it comes to gulay, yun din ang mga problema nila ngayon. Doon naman kasi, yung old, old people, ang ginawa nila, pinalis nila. Ito naman si Naglis, okay, siya labot, if lasunin ko yung lupa na yan or not, kasi ililis ko lang naman for the next 5-10 years. After 10 years, years, I'm out. Taste. Kaya ngayon, nung tapos na yung list sa kanila, we were there 2015 or 16 guro when we were there. Yun ang reklamo ng mga old. Ginpalis ko sir mo, ginbombahan siyang chemical. Subong, paano ko siya i-enrich? Then we teach them how to do it. How to rehabilitate their soil. But the damage has been done. Ganun yun eh. It's unfortunate that it's very challenging to convince our local farmers to switch to organic farming. And, you know, through no fault of their own, really. I mean, if you've been told for such a long time that you'll get a bigger harvest or you'll be able to harvest more quickly if you use these chemicals, then it's really hard to change that belief. Hopefully, with people like Jet working tirelessly and very passionately on organic farming, hopefully organic farming will become the norm in the country someday, you know, sooner, hopefully, rather than later. Well, I also asked Jet about the coconuts that he mentioned that were in their farm. I was curious if they planted the coconuts or if they just found them there. And he did say that the coconut trees were already there when he and his wife moved to Peace Pond. Oh, you just work around it. Na pagabot na Monday 2000, I retired from Manila in 2003. So pagabot na Monday yun na. Pero wala pa kami. We came up with those coconut byproducts lately na lang, around 2017 na lang. Because marami pa kami ng ibang ginawa before that. We started doing the organic farming and waste management. Uh, organic farming 
and waste management was 2004. So hindi muna kami nag-focus doon sa coconut na produkto. Uh, kung ano yung inabutan namin dito noon were tuba and vinegar lang, kagkopra. But back then, ginakumpute ko na paano, there were about 400 adult coconut trees here. So ginaano ko, pilaang ganansya nyo sa amoni, sa vinegar, sa kopra, sa tuba. Sabi ko, kung ang kopra, you will only harvest every three months and you will get this much. That time, kopra was 28 per kilo. Pero lately, nadagdag siya until about 8 pesos per kilo last year or two years ago. Now, 18 per kilogram pa rin siya. So, hindi pa rin narating yung 2003 na price na 28 kilograms. My point is, bakit ipinipilit na kopras? So I did my research, hanap-hanap. That's why I came up with those, ano, we came up with those VCO and coconut sugar na kasi mas, mas mahaba ang shelf life nun eh. Diba? Tapos ang kopra mo, trabaho pa. Tapos ang, ang fluctuation ng, ng presyo dependent sa world market. Diba? Kasi ginagawa siyang coconut oiler. Ginagawa pa siyang mga desiccated. Ginagawa coconut, yung mga ganun, but still dependent ka sa world market kasi gina-export siya mo. Yun, uh, yun. We worked around dun sa coconut. So when we came up with the idea of uh, the organic farm naman na concept, uh, we did intercropping sa between coconut trees. Yun nga yung kinokopya ngayon ng, ng national ng Philippine Coconut Authority kasi if baka hindi nyo alam. Just to inform you, I won as regional coconut farmer noong 2019 or 17. Lipat na ko. Anyway, then I went national. So, yung lahat ng concept dito on intercropping and all, yun yung ginagaya. Even the drip irrigation na system namon, ginagaya na nila sa mga coconut plantation. Wow. Uh, may puno. In between the puno, you plant. Tapos, ang, ang, if we feed mo na tubig, since we optimize our limited water supply, we do the drip irrigation, the technology naman ng Israel. Yun. Uh, but, ano yun eh? Uh, all of it, yung working around the coconut trees, uh, we had to do our homework, uh, research. Kaya, tamo ang tagal nung, nung pagitan between when we retired until 2017 and 2012. Kasi nga, marami pa. In between na kaming ginawa. But during that time, we, we, we were doing our research. Until now, paano mapuslan yung the tree of life, yung coconut. So what do they actually plant in between the coconut trees? Okay. Uh, gulay. Kasi ang... ang, ang Kumbaga, ang, ang, ang first order of business palagi sa farmers, members, ang itanim nyo yung kakainin natin. Kasi paano mo promote yung produkto mo kung hindi mo kinakain? Paano mo sasabihin, masarap talaga ito kung hindi mo siya natikman? Because unfortunately, para medyo liko ulit tayo ng story. When we went around the country, maluwi kagid sa mga farmers, lalo na sa mga bandang Leyte, Samar, we, we went up to a few farming communities doon sa mountains. So, mga produkto nila, mais, di ba, bugas. So, ako, ugali ko na pag, kung with the farmers, mas so istorya, 
gapakal ko ng produkto nila, then I take it home. So always, huwag na pamangkot ko. Noong may produkto ka pa da, mapakal ko, muna yung muna. Ay wala, napambayad nga, alam na nga utang eh. Ha? Huwag mo na, hindi mo na, huwag mo na tilawan yung produkto mo. Why? Kulang pa na pambayad. It's always like that. So it's sad, di ba? Na produkto mo, hindi mo na titikman. So ang rule namin dito, hindi pwede yun. Kailangan ikaw muna kumain ng produkto mo. Dapat ikaw muna makatikim niyan. It's like the people in South Africa ba yun, di ba? Na gobra sila ng kokwa. Have you seen that video? Gobra sila ng kokwa. Binibili ng European countries. Pero sila, why sila katila, katilaw ng chocolates na yun? May nagdala sa kanila. Do you know what this is? It's a chocolate bar. Te, kaon sila. Alam nyo kung saan galing ito? Diyan sa tanim nyo. Then they even know that. Mm-hmm. Diba? It's, it's sad. Diba? So ayaw ko maranasan ng farmers namin dito yun. When you plant, yun ay tanom nyo. So going back to your question, anong ginatanom? Uh, dahil sa climate change, we do utan a few plots. We do cassava, we do peanuts. Uh, yun. Kung ano ang kaya nung season na yun. Ikaw ang ma-adjust sa season. Lalo na kung kulang ka sa tubig or sobrang init na umaabot ng 40 plus degrees ang heat. Di bye-bye kami mo. Mainit sa babaw, mainit sa dalom. So ikaw gid ma-adjust. Plus we have an aqua silviculture. Ano naman yon? May mga mangrove crops naman yon. Yon, sa so water naman namin. So what is a typical day for jet at the farm? Sa umaga, ga-inspect ko ng, kasi ano na naman yan, it's like a weld oil machine yun sila mo. Tatlo, three to four to five persons yung nandun sa farm. Uh, at the same time or minsan interval. So ga-inspect na lang ko ng mga ginaubra nila. Yun, maluto ka ng carbonized rice hull. Meron na kasi yun nasa whiteboard na yun yung task eh. So Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, hasta Sabado, nabayanihan time. Kung anong ulubra, nandun na yun. Merong long term, merong short term, yung ganon. So, check lang ako doon. Tapos, anong ulubrahon. Kung may mga dapat i-troubleshoot na busy sila lahat, ako lang ma-troubleshoot. Kumbaga, kung hin- ano yung hindi nila magagawa, ako yung gagawa. Ganon, like, nakita ko yung trellis, hindi natitrain yung mga, ano, yung mga tanim. Ako na lang magtitrain kasi hindi man sila kalabot kay kataas. Di ba? So I can I can reach up to 8 feet, di ba? Tay ako na lang ma-train eh, di ba? Yung mga ganon, yung things like that na yung minsan yung small details nagkakalipat sila, like changing the water doon sa solar panel operated na fountain. Okay? Na kabayan na nila. Tay ako na lang yung troubleshooting na lang yun sa akin. Kasi nandoon na sila, eh. I just check kung kumusta tong mga obra nila. Yeah. At the morning na as balik ko sa hapon. Later, karon Abalik ko na. <laughs> ang, ang palaging itinuturo ko sa kanila, ang success ng any project, regardless kung gamay na o dako, kasugod na sa planning. So, kailangan sundan natin itong whiteboard na to. We sit down, we regroup from time to time. Almost every month, we regroup o natapos na ba natin itong long term na to. Yes sir, tapos na na. O check. O ito, tapos na na. Check. Yung ganon. Kasi hindi mo ma-expect sa kanila yung ganon, eh, yung planning. But I always, i-ano sa mind nila na 
everything, ang success ng lahat ng project starts with the perfect na planning. Yung the minutest na, na detalye, you have to know kung anong klaseng kahoy ang gagamitin dito. Anong pinaka-bambu ang kilanlan mo din. You have to compute. Otherwise, di na ka mapilde. Ginatudlo mo na sa ila para i-apply man nila sa life nila. So how does JET approach farming and its challenges? You, you, you never stop learning. You never stop doing research. Lalo na sa organic farming. Kasi dahil sa climate change, lain-lain na ang tempo. So hindi mo na alam kung ano yung aatake na mamimesti sa'yo. You always do your research. Nasa una, okay man na ito yung ginagamit ko na pesticide. Nasubong hindi na. And do your research. Ah, hindi pala yun ang kailangan ko ngayon. Ito ang mas kailangan ko ngayon na gamitin. You, you get my point? From product A to product B to product C. Although lahat naman na naaaral na, namin. But when I did, just to give you an example, uh, pinaka-problematic namin the past few months and years, kay Lubi, di ba? Puro coconut trees kami. Damo di red ants. Yun ang pinaka-problematic palagi namin. The red ants attack the roots and the bunga. Iyawan na lang kami. So, nag, nung nag, nag-quarantine, so ang daming ino-offer ng mga webinars sa farming. Nag-enroll talaga ako sa iba pa. As in, nag-enroll ako sa ibang ano, farming webinars. As in, almost everyday may bago. So yung ibang natutunan ko doon, yun yung mga bago kong ginagamit dito. You never stop learning. You never stop doing your research. Lalo na kung nag-organic farming ka. Kasi ano kay eh, uh, ang, ang nag-hope ka palagi na perfect na yung setup mo eh. Kasi nag-pest management ka na, nagtanom ka na ng mga pangontra and all, may repellents ka na and all. Hindi eh. Palaging merong ibibigay na bagong problema sa'yo because of the climate change effect. Yun yun eh. So you make adjustments every time. Ganun yun. You do not stop. Doon lumalabas yung, yung pagiging broadcast journalist ko. Because we do, we do deep, deep research talaga when it comes to journalism. Okay. Kami, ultimo the, the, yung, yung word na gagamitin, hanapin muna namin yung eksakto ba to tama ba to why are we using this word mm-hmm. yun yun lahat yun lahat yun yun ang anchor sa lahat do research so before we move on to the second and more practical part of my interview with Jed I'm going to check in with my katanuers and see what they think so far okay so what did you guys think uh, Rosel did you expect Jed's response to your question about convincing local farmers to switch to organic farming? Yeah, I kind of expect it. Um, since organic farming has a different connotation or like perception here, um, it sounds social, it sounds like it's limited, um, and it doesn't seem to coincide with what farmers are used to, which is high yield uh, uh, farming, right? Um, but what I really like about Jet is um, when he said show and do, that's the only way you can really convince people. Um, you show them what you learn, 
and you do it with them. And that makes it very inclusive. And that's what I really like about that part. Um, it took a lot of convincing and I'm sure it's going to be different with different communities. Uh, pero I feel like it's, it's really a good start that he was able to do this um, with the people he, he worked with. So it's possible and it gives me hope that we can do organic farming in, you know, in, in, a, in, a, high, in a bigger scale. I want to piggyback on what Rosel said, the inclusivity part. I think that was really good um, that Jet, Jet focused on being inclusive. Uh, even at the beginning of, of, of the interview, he mentioned um, that they were also teaching young people, that they had students on top of um, reaching out to farmers as well. So they're reaching out to a whole bunch of people, making sure it's su sustained you know, generation after generation. Um, and I liked how when he said um, Peace Pond was named by the farmers themselves, it's a local name for the location. So it's, it, it's, uh, it harkens to the inclusivity talaga. It's, it's there, it's, it's part of the community. And it's, um, a fam it's when you have the community, just give the name for something that you own. You know, it's like, it's, it's shared ownership basically. And it, 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 there's a sense of belonging for the farmers who, who live there. I thought that was, that was really nice. How is it in Manila? with regards to organic um, produce is it hard to get to get access to organic produce because negros is like the organic um, fruit bowl right or organic bowl of the philippines or at least that's the goal for the island how is it in manila when it comes to that um we we don't really know where our fruits and vegetables come from. Um, when we go to our community market, like uh, a few blocks away, um, they just tell us, "Galing uh, yun sa Baguio or "Galing yun sa Batangas," and we always ask actually. Um, but uh, like markets that are specifically for organic produce, they're usually uh, limited to the the. Um, high-class villages in Makati, in the south. So, yun, they would really um, emphasize that, hey, this is organic produce, this come from a certain farm in Batangas, etc., that really um, use uh, organ organic processes or whatever. So, it's still not accessible to, to everybody, whatever organic farm, like organic produce, uh, is supposed to be uh, here. So that's kind of the dream. Hopefully when when farmers uh, really go to organic farming, then we'll know for sure. We don't have to guess now is this you know commercial or like artificial fertilizer or whatever. Um, so yeah, hindi pa rin as accessible as we would hope for. Yeah, so I I guess that's a that's an interesting topic then no, to explore, mm -hmm. like how what's the demand for organic produce, right? Because I suppose that would uh, drive the supply also and change the behavior there. Um, but how about Chinkin? What did you think about uh, yes. Jet's interview? So I wanted to build on on what uh, Russell and Albert were talking about, mm -hmm. and the 
it may come from Baguio, but you're not sure if it's organic or not organic coming from Baguio. You really don't know. But growing up here in Bacolod, I don't know how true it is that 70% or greater, um, that number is the amount of supply Negros Island has been giving to, to the market in Manila restaurants for organic produce. Because when I was still training, I would remember my patients coming from the base of the volcano that they'd say thank you through their veggies and they would really claim that, Doc, this is organic and I hope you enjoy it. Um, I think my pertinent comments for Jet would really be on research. And I think a practical pearl from the interview is doing your homework. And Jet expresses it in different layers. So you basically have a kid who was asked to participate in school, exposed to gardening, and that has brought a lasting impression to him, which is evident on his vocation to this day. Um, when you look at the value of doing excellent research, it begins for many people as an experiential dialogue. And it indicates in peer-reviewed dogma as level five evidence. So we have to admit that these options are rooted from oral tradition of our old teachers and maybe our own observations. And as you attempt to describe your results, the level of evidence gets higher, even perhaps to the highest echelon when you get to conduct experiments maybe by assigning this plot with drip irrigation, this area added with organic matter, and maybe another piece of land having all those with intercropping. The beauty in all of these is that there's a genuine concern to share this knowledge, which JET really does. And knowledge which may likely be inaccessible to our audiences, conclusions which remain unpublished, and perhaps practices that get to be refined and perfected at a smaller scale. Um, the goal is not to mimic his excellent practices, but I think to pick the best ones, which are appropriate to our living patches of paradise present in an apartment, in the public schoolyard, in work, or even our home lots. So looking back to his roots, the joy for having plants stems from his exposure in youth and the embedded connection he has when soil is touched and fresh dew in the meadows pick his olfactory senses. Perhaps difficult to grasp in the realm of bedrock scientific evidence, but I firmly believe equally important is respect for something mystical, mystical forces that guide the gardener, harvester, plant enthusiast, plantito, plantita in each of us and how we attempt to process that joy in our everyday lives. We can hear these noble stories as children that our ancestors were a great people in touch with nature and they knew when to start planting based on the face of the moon, they knew when to harvest based on subtle biological indicators, and they equally appropriated, they shared these produce with their precious community. So. This knowledge may be lost to a few tribes that have died out or handed down to a few but not practicing, but should culminate in each of our souls as it resonates our presence as children of this earth. Uh, research, doing homework, and you know, it adds to the legitimacy of excellent practices and it arms us with tools necessary to avoid decay or withering of our plants. So I thank Jet for that important point of view.
I think that's what really I wanted to list down because research is a proper attitude that really has to be instilled. He really has to share and a lot of people may adhere to because you don't have to be a scientist to start research. You just have to have an increase, an increased interest in knowing what you want to do and how you do it and how you share that same process with other people. Mic drop. Wow. <laughs> it was more like a speech. I was thinking that was could, awesome. Oh, oh, he can do his own like podcast on research. <laughs> we have a doctor with us in the podcast, and so that's that's really nice. Oh, oh <laughs> definitely. Oh, that, yeah. Like we mentioned in the first episode, that that insight and Chinkin's really good with his words. Very eloquent. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chinkin. <laughs> okay, so now we're at the more practical part of the interview. And um, the first thing I asked Jet was what you can do to grow food or to grow plants if you don't have a big farm or if you don't have a big piece of land and you know, you're living in the city and you can only grow in pots or containers or if you have just a small backyard. Uh, ang pinaka-basic, number one, is if you're living in the city, wala ka nung mga source of fertilizers na makukuha namin dito sa rural. Like, you don't have that much plant na mga madre de cacao o mga name, ganon. So, you make the with your kitchen waste. Uh, may mga DIYs na naman eh, and how, on how to make fertilizers from kitchen waste. Kasi yun ang unang-unang magiging problem ng mga taga-urban eh. How to make their own fertilizers. Number two, yung sourcing mo ng soil naman. Uh, also that, yung kitchen waste. Kasi nga sa organic farming, ang pinapaganda mo at pinapataba is the soil. Numero uno yon So kung wala kang magandang source ng soil, make do with your kitchen waste. That's yun ang pinaka-basic when it comes to ano, uh, organic farming na nandun ka sa urban na area. Number two, kung, kung meron kang gustong mga itanim, uh, tapos wala ka naman ng mga open pollinated na varieties, make do with also with uh, mga hybrid na available sa urban. Just do not hope na makakakuha ka ng seeds na pwede mo pa ulit i-propagate from your original plant. Uh, okay man lang ang hybrid, accepted naman yun sa organic farming. Don't be too hard on yourself na mangita kagid organic seeds. No. You can use the hybrid. Accepted naman yun. As long as you grow them organically, you do not use chemical fertilizers or pesticides. Yun kasi yung dalawang basics eh soil and seeds. Baka problemahin nila. Eh, diin kumangitas ang seeds. Wala man di organic seeds. Even us, yun ang problem namin. Looking for organic seeds or open pollinated variety na seeds. So, hybrid seeds will we'll do. Yun. Soil and seeds. Yun pinaka-basic na duwa mo. So, I know from experience that it's really important to have your own at least compost before we started planting veggies during when the quarantine started, I was so thankful that I actually started taking care of 
worms to have our own vermicompost and that really came in handy when we started planting vegetables. So I asked Jet uh, what other composting systems can he recommend for those with smaller areas or those who live in the city? Uh, small areas. When you talk small areas, siguro ang lalagyan mo lang yan mga 4-galloner or 3-galloner na containers. Kunyari, in-upcycle mo yung water mineral na botelya, di ba? Siguro ilang ba laman nun? Mga 5, 4-gallons? Yun. Uh, always, ang layering mo, ah, sa kitchen waste, do not use yung mga may oil. Kasi ang may oil, yun yung matakaw, yung mga meat. Yun yung matakaw mm. sa ipis tsaka daga because of the smell. Mm. So like, sorry, uh, no offense man, hindi lang tamayaki. No? Just to give you an example. Kasi mm-hmm. kailangan, when, when, when you do kitchen waste na pag-compost, naka-sandwich siya between soil. Or if you have, halimbawa, ginsirahiha na limpyuman, wala mang chemical treatment na wood, yun, upod man siya, gina-sandwich mo yung kitchen waste sa soil. So, soil sa dalong, kitchen waste, then soil sa babaw. Why? So, ito nga, no offense, man. Imagine mo may pupo ng aso sa kalye. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Or sangkuring, what do you do? Ginatampukan mo siya, di ba? Nga, ginatampukan mo. Para hindi lang awen. Mm-hmm. The same principle yan when, when you do composting sa kitchen waste. Takpan mo siya last ng soil as in covered siya para hindi siya langawin kag ipisin. Wala. Kasi pag covered siya, wala na siya smell. Diba? Hindi na siya pupuntahan ng mga langaw. Wala. Kasi yun ang mga magiging problem pag nasa urban. Eh. Yun. You can buy naman. Yung iba, they, they buy soil eh yung mga lasa mga Robinson, Ace Hardware, meron naman ng mga yun. Eh. Tapos, kung urban, don't go big when it comes to composting kasi yun, may hirapang kang masustain siya pag malaki yung space yung nakakainin niya. Kasi, ang pag masyadong malaki, like 1 meter na halimbawa, na diameter yung compost mo, it will take you 45 days para makompost siya at pakinabangan. So, go small. Mga gagming-gagming lang. Merong system yan, yung masitera, patong-patong. So, masitera, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, pataas na siya. Yung ganun din, soil, kitchen waste, soil. Soil, kitchen waste, soil, hanggang umapaw na yung masitera mo na 8 feet, 8 inches high. Then you put another masitera, ganun. Yeah. Ano ang masitera? Yung, yung pots, yung pots. Ah, okay, okay. Oo, yung, yung clay, yung clay na pots. Uh-oh. Pwede mong pagpatong-patongin yun eh, para yun makatipid ka naman mm, sa oh, pagbunyag. Oh, from, from, kasi you have, to, you have to water your compost, ha? Hindi mo siya pwedeng babayan lang kasi magda-dry up yun. Pag nag-dry up yun, patay yung microorganisms na ginapadamo mo. So, uh, the, the relay na masitera na tower, it works na ganon. Pwede mo rin actually gawin yun sa kung will you, if you'll use the containers na pots na series siya, tower, pasaka. So, ang bunyag mo sa babaw lang, then mapunta siya sa dalom. So, yung last mo na pot sa dalom, butangan mo siya ng planggana. Labador. Mm-hmm. 
Diba? Yung labador, siya ang masalo dun sa tubig mo from the top going down. So now, what will you do with the tubig sa dalom? Siya ang pambunyag mo. Kasi composti na ang panawag dun. So it's healthy na. May nutrient na yun. So katipid ka sa tubig, kasi from the top going down, mabunyag mo pa siya as, as fertilizer na. Kompleto na yun. And, and when you talk about kitchen waste, hindi lang siya pwedeng ilimit sa kitchen waste. You can put papers also. Kasi yung papers naman, yung mga carbon, like if you have nag-abot na, na online na gin-order mo, may mga karton siya bala na inughaboy mo na. You, you tear it apart lang, you tear mo lang sl- ng small bits, small pieces, you put mo siya doon. That's carbon. Just mm-hmm. make sure wala na yung mga stapler, wala na yung mga masking tape, wala na yung mga scotch tape. Because, syempre, plastic yun eh, non-compostable yun. Iyon. Tapos kung may paint naman yung karton mo, before mo siya i-mix doon, babaran mo muna siya ng tubig. Babad mo muna sa tubig overnight. Para more or less madula ang ink. Ma-separate yung ink. As much as possible, ang ibutang mo sa compost mo, walang ink. Kasi yung ink, toxic yun eh. Unless nakabutang da, ang ginamit niya na paint is organic. There are organic na paints na kasi na ink, di ba? Most of the time, wala naman dito sa atin sa Pilipinas. Lalo na kung China yung produkto. Diba? Okay, so soil, kitchen scraps, soil. And you can do this in pots. So you can stack up pots, water only the very top, and then the water that flows out of the bottom pot, that's already compost tea. And you can use that to water your plants. So my next question was about companion planting and also pest management. Okay. Uh, experience na lang. Nagtanong ako, sa una pa ni, uh, first few months or so, nagtanong pa lang po. Kasi by the way, I, I studied organic farming through Eskolahan sa Kahanginan. Yun yung program ng government na you listen to the radio. So, gapamati ko ilonggo and I'm matagalog. So, hindi ko siya maintindihan mayo. I just type whatever I hear. Anyway, doon ko una natutunan yung organic farming through radio na ilonggo. Uh, companion planting, experience. Nagtanim ako ng seedlings ng coriander. Katabi niya bell pepper. Okay? Seedlings. So, every morning when I wake up, natubo na si bell pepper mo. Wala siyang dahon yung first two gak. First, tututubo. Tapos mo, magkakadula. Nga mo na siya. So, tuparay sila ni Coriander. Second day, ganun na naman. Pagtubo, wala na naman. So, I thought, pis-pis lang. So, sabi ko, tabunan ko ng net. So, kahit na minute, ganun pa rin. So, research ka ngayon eh. So, nakita ko, hindi pwedeng magtuparay ang Coriander kag bell pepper. That's one experience. Number two, ah, uh, Nagtuturo kami around the country ng organic farming. So, kung nagtatanim ako dito sa PISPAN, di ba? Tapos ibilin ko siya na siya sa farm manager, farm supervisor. So, nagtanim ako ng kamatis, nagtanim ako ng mais. Yung mais dun sa field. Yung kamatis sa pat. Nandito siya sa bahay, yung kamatis. So, bago ko umalis, nakita ko may bulak na siya. So, yung nasa field yung mais. Ang ginawa nitong farm manager ko, gindala niya si kamatis doon tupad sa maes. So what happened when I came back after a week or so, nagkalamata yung kamatis ko, nagkalataktak yung mga 
ano yung mga bulak ng mga flowers niya so hindi siya nagfruit so alam ko na yun eh that time na hindi siya pwedeng magtuparay so sinabi ko sa farm manager ko bakit mo sila pinagtabi nalipat ka na hindi sila pwedeng magtuparay ang kamatis kag ang mais that's why ginseparar ko sila yung isa nasa bahay yung isa nandoon sa field yon Uh, just to give you, give you an example na ginapraxis namin ang tawag doon Three Sisters is a 400 year old technology ng mga American Indians uh, ang Three Sisters uh, mais uh, balatong ang ang sitaw bala kag um, squash ang mais siya yung una mo itatanim so mataas na siya Pagkatanim mo sa kanya, itanim mo naman yung balatong, yung sitaw. Ang sitaw, makakapit siya sa maes. So, siya na yung trellis. Habang umaakit si maes, kasama na si balatong. Then, the squash naman, spread siya sa dalong. So, anong bulig ni di maes sa dalawa? Para hindi masyadong mahangin sa kanya kakapit. Anong bulig, what, ano ang silbi naman ni balatong sa kanilang dalawa? Kay squash at kay maes. Gina gahatag si balatong ng nitrogen dun sa dalawa. So ano naman ang punto ni ano naman ang bulig ni squash sa kanilang dalawa? Ginacover niya ang soil para hindi magwa ang hilamon. 'Di ba ang squash dako ang ano niya, ang leaves. So siya yung pinaka cover crop dun sa dalaw. Yung buligan ay sila. That's companion planting na may purpose sa kada isa. Wala siya. We do companion planting here. Up to now, we do cover crop. Yun, it's mm-hmm. natural pest management. Meron kami mga gatekeepers. Sa kada border, may tanglad, may oregano, may basil, may sili. Lahat tanan sila. May purpose sa kada isa. Tapos, um, marami kaming plants na nakapat, lalo na yung pang pest management. Para alam namin na, uy, may problema doon. Madala kami nung pat na yun na pang pest management. Dugangan ta ng tanglad na. Dala ang pat. O, o dugangan ta ng basil. So, nakapat yun. Kumbaga, para silang EMT. Alam yon yung sa rescue. So, sila, so pag may problema doon sa lugar na yun, talon mo sila. O, sige, dyan, dyan kayo tumambay. Kayong magbantay dyan. That's the idea. Tama Oh, pag nakapat ka city, you can just utilize them wherever you want, di ba? Right. Isailo-sailo mo lang sila rather than ma-direct plant ka and then like like what happened to us, like El Nino, te patay ka na niya. Sa una ko pag ginaano sa sa mga farmers na dapat gano'n nakapat lang kayo so you can move it, you can move Eh, minsan mga tiga-ulo, gindirect, so, hindi nagpat. So, see what happened, patay tanan because We experienced El Nino two consecutive years. So what happened? Pati mga sili ko napatay. Sabi ko, you have to, you have to listen to me. Pats gid ang ibang tanong. Do not go direct palagi. Which is what's what they've been doing now. Maski si Doc Annabel, kilala mo si Doc Annabel, no? Bilang yes, pa. yes. She now realized na, Jet, hindi, hindi kiduubra yung mga direct to soil natin. Sabi ko, yeah. That's why I'm direct sa soil ko subong. Right now, right at this moment, kamuti na lang kasaba. Kaya mapatay lang ang gulay mo. Lalo oh. na kung pasamer. Mm-hmm. Kung ito medyo-medyo, itong rainy season, fine. Pero pag pasamer na, hindi na. 
Sabi ko sa kanya, Ari na ko, tanan, nag-back out ko. Punta ko sa plant nursery, punta ko sa pots. Ang soil, hindi, hindi ka na pwedeng magtiwala sa kanya. Even the pest, ang hirap na siya i-manage. Hirap na. Kasi mapatay tong iban mo, yung pangontra mo, mapatay man. Because of the mm-hmm. lack of water and ang climate mo, ang, ang weather, ang temperature mo goes up to 40, 40-40. Paano mo na? Kada-kada ako isang field. Ano, payungan mo sila tanahin. <laughs> Hindi, hindi. Ikaw ma-adjust. Ang, ang, plants, ang plants na resilient doon sa weather, you go there. You have to adjust based on your experience. That's why when I teach, sinasabi ko sa kanila, itong tinuturo ko sa, sa inyo, hindi ito exact science kasi sa experience ko to eh. Always. I always say that. Lahat ng tinuturo ko sa inyo, experience-based. So yung iba, iba rin ang experience nila. Like, like yung isang page yung sa Verme, Nagsabi ako doon na as much as possible, wag puro nitrogen. Then may nag-argue sa ako na wala man ang science basis, ang ano na hindi pwedeng puro nitrogen, eh, ipos na lang ko eh. Okay, siguro wala siya experience na gano'n. Eh, ako may experience ko. Basta nabi ko, that's my experience. All my worms died because puro nitrogen. So what are some basic plants that we can have for pest management? Ang pinaka-resilient kasi ano eh, tsaka hindi ganong matakaw sa sa mga tubig-tubig, yan yung tanglad, uh, oregano, basil, medyo-medyo ang ano ang sile. Kasi ang sile, okay lang yan, maski init, mas gusto niya mo. Yun, apat, apat sila. Sile, basil, oregano, tanglad, yeah. apat. Oo. Jet has given us a lot of advice already on what to plant, how to do composting, But for every episode of the show, we ask for tanum tips. So here are Jet's tanum tips. Mag-research sila. Kung halimbawa, gusto mo magtanim ng pechay or ng lettuce, before you dive into uh, the task of planting it, research muna. Ano ba yung itanim yung mga yun? And then, uh, bakit kailangan yung mga leafy muna kay dasig siya? na uh, mo siya in 13 days kasi you can do micro-veggies muna eh. Habang gamay pa, kaunan mo na siya. Pwede naman yun. Mm-hmm. Uh, tapos, huwag masyadong mag-ambisyon agad dun sa may mga fruiting kasi baka ma-disappoint kayo. Do the latest first. Tapos, uh, kung nagkamali, mabeste, again, do research. Mangkot-mangkot. Marami na namang mga online na groups. Marami na mga unselfish people, unselfish mentors out there. Just ask questions. Huwag lang suplado yung makatapat mo. Kami until now, we do our own research in every step of the way. Nice. We're really very grateful to Jet for making the time to talk to us here at Tanum Tuesdays about Peace Pond, about his journey into organic farming and his background in broadcast journalism. Thank you so much, Jet. So that was a lot of practical advice from Jet. Uh, Katanumers, do you, do you practice any of these uh, tips already? Or do you have anything you want to add or anything from what Jet said that you think you're going to apply to your garden? Yeah. I was really interested on the when he mentioned composting. Um, uh, 
how he and he talked about how it can be applied in even an, ur an urban setting, which is where we are in Metro Manila, right? Um, we don't have a plot of land, we just have a small apartment. So I was really interested in what he said. That, that's new to me when he mentioned the layering of the soil and then veggies and then soil, and then you have it in different pots. But I had a question though, Joe, I don't know if you can clarify this for me without Jet here. Um, how, how does that work? So you have different pots, the pots with holes no? in the bottom. And then how does the layering work? Is it the pot and then soil and then veggies and then another pot or is it layered within each pot? How does that work? Can you, can you clarify that for me? Right. I think from what I understood, it's so you start with one pot and it has, uh, it has something to capture the water that flows out of that pot, right? And then you fill that pot first with soil, kitchen scraps, and then soil until it's filled. Ah, uh, okay. And then you add another pot on top. How many pots does he recommend? How many pots do you think we can do? <laughs> I know. I guess uh, as long as it's stable, right? <laughs> as long as it's stable. Okay, I'm going I'm to try that. So yeah, that, that really um, piqued my interest because that, we actually have a compost here in our apartment. It's indoors. Um, we started actually when we were still in Mandaluyong, another small place we had. Um, um, and so I learned over time. It took a while. Um, and... And I remember him bringing this up because it, he's right, it stinks, it can stink, especially if you're starting out. And I, I wanna add a little bit more to what Jet was mentioning about, um, about the nitrogen content and the carbon content. Um, for those of you listening, if you don't have a compost yet, or if you have one, please feel free to email us. But from my experience, what really helps to reduce the stench, and if you research online as well, is uh, you have to balance what they call the browns and the greens. And the greens is nitrogen rich and the browns are carbon rich. So the nitrogens would be, for example, veggies, um, the veggie scraps, uh, kitchen waste, fruit peels, grass clippings, coffee grounds. So these would you, th this is what you would consider the greens. And then the browns would be dry leaves, eggshells, car cardboard, brown paper bags, paper, anything with um, a lot of carbon. So I don't have you know, a science background but I, as I do more research, I can learn more about what has more carbon and what has more nitrogen. And what, what I've seen online and what I've applied in our little compost is that if you have a ratio of, well, for me, I'm going to say about four to one, four carbon or four brown to one green or one um, uh, nitrogen rich you know, content in your compost, that kind of like helps reduce the smell and keeps the decomposition going without having it be too nitrogen rich and therefore being really stinky and wet and not, and actually and this is I think what Jet said it kind of prevents I don't know if it was Jet or it's online but if you have too much nitrogen it kind of slows down the composting process somehow um, again I'm not you know the authority on it it's what what I've been learning so if for listeners if if you have ideas on this please feel free to chime in send an email we'll, we'll mention it but that's my two centavos that that worked out for us so far. It reduces the stench. I've also noticed that if you have, because we, what we do is we have a bucket and I put a, one layer of soil on the bottom and then that's over time, lunch, breakfast, dinner, we throw in all the veggie scraps because our diet is mostly composed of veggies. So we throw it over time and over time, the layers of shimper, nitrogen rich stuff grows, but we'll, we throw, I have like a stack of cardboard and a stack of paper, brown paper bags from the planke or the supermarket and I cut that up and I throw it in and I make sure 
as it gets wetter and wetter, I put more and more of the browns um, to counter the nitrogen. So that, that helps a lot. Yeah, I, I was interested with what you've been saying, Albert. Have you guys considered having your own worm bin as well? Yeah, I, Joe mentioned that a while back too, and I've wanted to do vermi, right? Vermi composting. I, we might just start, start on that too. There's so many things I want to do. <laughs> I, I want to do that. I, just, I think you can just order that online, worms, or can you get them locally, maybe? I think there are sources uh, for, for Manila. I mean, for, for sure, here in Bacolod, what we did, we ordered uh, a kilo of worms, I think, initially. And they they reproduce. Yes, so we started with one worm bin. So worm bin one, it's now gone because that was you know the learning bin. <laughs> All the worms uh, did not survive. Sorry. That's a hundred percent mortality. Yes, but we started again for worm bin two. We were able to multiply the worms. Now we have a third worm bin. So. And and it's pretty it's it's pretty simple. Like you just you just have a bedding, you put the worm. Uh, you put some kitchen scraps, also some nitrogen, and then the bedding is sort of like the carbon. But some people also say to put carbon, um, with every time you put kitchen scraps. So that could be pieces of cardboard or paper, as long as it's you know not it's not with paint that's toxic, and then. You cover it again with, with bedding and then, or you put the worms and then you cover it with bedding and then you just leave it. You know, the trick to having a successful worm bin is not to check on them every day like I did the first time. So how does that work? Can that be done indoors? Yes, yes. Because it's re it doesn't stink at all because I think the bedding is much thicker, I suppose, than how you would do it in regular composting. And you really have to bury the kitchen scraps because the worms like it, you know, dark and moist. So it seems like a faster process than composting. I think so. But, you know, we, I have to research that. <laughs> but I think so. It's in, in about maybe three, three weeks to a month, you'll have compost already ready to use. That's fast. I mean, I play a very small supporting role with that aspect. Um, in the kitchen, I just make sure that this produce goes to the worms, and then everything else, the eggshells or the rice bits, all go to the compost bin. But yeah. what goes to the worms would be more special, <laughs> like the mangoes or the pieces of pear or bananas. But eggshells used to put for the worms and we'd spoon feed them by crushing it for them for their gizzards but we've slowly transitioned to coffee grounds Is wow well trained <laughs> no, i'm just trying to learn what i learned you know i'm just trying to remember what i learned for the past few months in quarantine and you know looking back it seems to be quite eventful <laughs> yeah so so for worms we first started with eggshells for their, because they need something gritty or sandy for their gizzards. And then we transitioned to coffee grounds. Because it also makes the kitchen scraps smell better, you know, when you mix them all together. So you have indoors a compost pile, a compost thing, and a vermi, vermi going on at the same time? 
um, we have we eat a lot of ice cream, so we have a lot of these empty tubs, and that's where we put all our scraps. And then the next morning, when Joe has to leave for the lot or the food forest, she brings those, so it doesn't stink up the house because the lids are airtight, and you know we don't want it to be messy also because you also know how decomposing matter can smell like. But. I think worm bins in general really don't stink. I think you can have one inside the house. Like I've seen quite a lot of people on YouTube, you know, saying that they keep it inside the house and all that. I think you just have to worry about the temperature that it doesn't get too hot because then the worms would escape the bin. Okay, yeah. Well, That's interesting. I think that'll be our next project. We just started our new a new compost bucket thing. Um, so we'll we'll probably do that next then. I'll try to document it too, for for listeners if they wanna. You know, yeah. I mean, if I were given the chance to document it, um, I really want to do a time lapse on it. How the worms eat everything, and, and you know, it's like a it's like watching Discovery Channel when cable TV was just new, and now you see cable TV almost dying in this industry right now. Yeah, but time lapse film is still very interesting. I agree. I might try that, Chinkin. I'll, I'll do that for us. Nice, nice. Uh, I was thinking about the the pots that Jet mentioned. I don't know. Do you have um, do you grow plants for pest management, Roselle Albert? No, not no, yet. No, we haven't gone there yet. Tanglad, no. Tanglad. We mentioned oregano and yeah, that's right. Uh, chili, like a chili plant. Yeah. But what was interesting, I thought, was how he grew them in pots para they, he can just move them. I'm, I want to try that for, for the food forest. Our, our chili plants, they never survive. They, they grow from seed. They grow really well. Even the ones in our compost, the ones that accidentally fall in our compost, they grow inside without light. <laughs> but once I plant them outside, after a week or two, they're gone. I, can't, I don't know why. Mm. That means you have an initiatory green thumb, and that matters a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have no green thumb, so I might as well just. There are it. no green thumbs. It's just the soil and compost. Okay, so do you guys want to comment on anything else about the second part? I guess one more comment that I wanna. Like one big takeaway for me as well is how he's he really understood the the struggles of the farmers and trying to really find solutions for them. What stuck with me is that you know they sometimes they would need um, gasoline and uh, they have to pay for everything basically out of pocket and uh, you have to pay for electricity, gasoline. Uh, for fertilizer and that just really uh, pushes up your uh, overhead costs, right? Uh, when when taking care of a farm, um, and and he's really trying to find ways. Like for example, we're talking about composting, so he was also he also taught the the farmers to to create their own organic fertilizer and everything, and it's it's as, as applicable to them as to us, right? And so I really appreciate that. It's very practical. Um, they're practical solutions to 
problems that can uh, really affect the bottom line or the, the, the income of our farmers. Um, and also, of course, the, the, the quality of the, our soil, diba? that's where all our, 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 uh, our plants and, and, and produce come from. So I really appreciate that. It's a different perspective and you know it's working uh, for people. So thanks for that interview uh, you did. It was really, really interesting. Yeah, super. And it's our first, it's our first interview. Yes. Uh, yeah. A big milestone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and I think building on what Rosel said, the beauty of it talaga is Jet works grassroots, diba? It, it also makes us realize that we don't have to buy everything. Like we can use our kitchen scraps to build soil. I mean, it's, it's so amazing. Because ever since we started composting, when we, when, you know, when I put the kitchen scraps in our compost pit or in the worm bins, it's like there's this conversation in my head that, oh, this is not going to, you know, to a garbage dump somewhere and just rot there. And, you know, it's you're, you're, you're using it to build more soil, more abundance. And I think that's great to learn. I mean... Right as you can hear other people saying that you should decrease your carbon footprint, but I can personally witness a week of doing grocery and getting junk food for the kids and another week of snacking on fresh fruits with them. You could really see the bags of junk food disappear and you could just see how the wrappers from, from these fruits are reused for other creatures around us and the waste really goes down. I mean, just for the packaging alone, the carton, the aluminum foil, the plastic bags, the small containers, it's quite depressing to know how much trash we're generating. And it makes you aware that with nature's feeding, nature's wrapper, it works wonders. With that said, I also want to mention, if, if, have you guys seen Story of Plastic? Mm, no. What's no, it I about? It's a documentary about um, how the history of plastic, how it was made in what forties, fifties, um, how it how it was invented and where it came from and where it is today in our oceans and all that. So it kind of follows that that process of history of how plastic evolved to where we are today. So it's really eye opening. It's good to see where plastic has come from, and it was. It's you guys should watch it. We're um, the NGO I work for, we're, we're going to be screening it for free this September for International Coastal Cleanup. So I'll, I'll post the links at that time for everyone to check out to join. Uh, it's a really eye-opening documentary. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I haven't seen the documentary, but is it true that on a rough scale, plastics were invented to solve an original problem that used to be there? Does that make sense? What I remember from the documentary, it was invented on the, at the advent when the television was, or commercials were getting really popular, more and more people. Um, I don't remember it being linked to, to solving a problem, but I remember in the documentary that it was primarily like Tupperware. Tupperware is one of the original plastic containers back then. And mm -hmm. that, that idea was really propagated through, through marketing, through advertising. Uh, through the television. I think it's really relevant I, because 
I may just have a myth in my mind that plastics were invented so that we have to stop cutting down trees or maybe the sand that's been dredged converted to silicon to make glassware. I don't know it was if it was invented for that end. But even if it were noble, if that, if that case were true, I mean, look at the unforeseen problems it's causing us now. So, I mean, I really look forward to watching that video then. Yeah, I'll, I'll remind you guys when, and everyone who's listening, uh, when, the opportunity, when the opportunity comes to, to watch it. Awesome, awesome. So I, that was, I think that was a successful interview because it opened up a lot more topics for us to explore and also taught us many things about, you know, doing organic farming in whatever scale. And I want to mention that Peace Pond is actually open right now. They're, they have workshops and tours, but they can only accommodate a limited number of people for safety reasons. So we'll post a link to their website so that you can check out those tours. Maybe someday you want to visit them and see what Jet and uh, his community is doing at Peace Pond. And we'll also post pictures of Jet and Peace Pond and what they're growing uh, on Instagram, on Facebook, so you can see how it's like. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. From Manila, this is Albert. This is Rosel. Keep growing. And from Bacolod, it's Joanne. And Chinkin. Keep planting. Intro music is Siesta by Jazar. <laughs>